and checking it off the list. That's not transformation. I talked to a guy the other day that said that he read the whole Bible and didn't change him one bit. You have an encounter, it changes you. Now when you read the Bible, it fills you up and it changes everything. Bible's good. Read your Bible. Don't hear me wrong. Read your Bible. You should read your Bible. But if you're just going, well, I read my Bible, I don't need a relationship, you're wrong. You need the encounter to shift something inside of you to, to help water the seed that's in there. Man, it, it's so important. It's so important. So read your Bible, read your Bible, read your Bible. <laughs> but I need you to have an encounter more than read your Bible. Right? Looking at him eye to eye, seeing him face to face, understanding how much he loves you is more important than anything else. And it shifts something in you that makes you pursue him in a whole nother manner. You start to understand the power, the, the authority you have. Uh, man, it just all comes out of that. Okay, so encounters are huge. And that's why I talked about it. That's why I t- look at Paul. I'm telling you, and Saul, we'll start with Saul. He knew everything, right? This guy knew everything. And then the encounter, and it changed how he loved people. It changed how he influenced people. You know, he wrote the grace gospel. That, I mean, and that's how he changed the world was through that. So um, it's just so important we have encounters. So the encounters are transformational. Because here's why you need that. You can't settle for what you have. See, a lot of us have been in church for a while. And we said, I know church. I've been in church. I've experienced that. That was good. I'm, I'm golden. And what you're doing is you're settling for something that's so far less than where he wants you to go. Because he said, that was one time. Like, you know, you can encounter me not just one time a year, not just one time a month, not just one time a, a week or a day. You can encounter me multiple times in a day. When we talk about pray without ceasing, those are constant encounters with him throughout the day. Chuck, Chuck delivers mail, right? Chuck tells me all the time, man, he's delivering mail. He, he, you know, he's having a download all the time. He's praying for, for people he's dropping mail off with. He's talking to people and God's using him. So that's encounters. Those are the things that, that, that mean the most in life when you do these things is God's trying to shift something in your heart. He wants you to encounter a different way. So I wanna, I'm gonna get the Galatians today. But when I was in this encounter moment, I, there's a lot in the Bible about encounters and this kind of lines it up. So I wanna go and talk about an encounter in the Bible. Um, we're gonna go to Mark 5. Uh, 1 through 22. <laughs> so if you've never read that much scripture in church before, we're going to read Mark 5, 1 through 52. I'm going to read out of the TPT. Um, it reads almost the same out of the NLT. There's a couple words different, but uh, I'm just back into TPT. I was like, I just love swapping and getting into different things. Uh, so when everybody gets there, we'll have it up on the screen. I want to talk, this is a major encounter, y'all. This is something, this is a great example of how God wants to have an encounter with you that will shift everything. Okay, so this is good. So let's read it. It says, um, they arrived at the other side of the lake. This is Jesus in the boat with um, his disciples. And then at the region of Gerasenes, as Jesus stepped ashore, a demon-possessed madman came out of the graveyard and confronted him. The man had been living there among the tombs and no one was able to restrain him, not even with chains. 
For every time they attempted to change, chain his hands and feet with shackles, he would snap the chains and break the shackles in pieces. He was so strong that no one had the power to subdue him. Day and night he could be found lurking in the cemetery or in the vicinity, shrieking and cutting himself with stones. Stop right there. This guy, this guy doesn't even know who he is. They don't know his name. He's identifying with what's in him. He's identifying with what's controlling his life. That's why he's living this way. He's identifying with something else other than his beloved identity from the father. He's identifying with what's controlling him. And I don't know if you've ever been there before, but I have. It's easy to identify with something that controls you, that's in you, that operates within you. Man, I'm telling you, this is real stuff. This is what's happening. They don't even know his name. They just call him the man that's, that's possessed, right? So when the, let's go to verse six. It says, when he saw Jesus from a distance, he ran to him and threw himself down before him, shouting at the top of his lungs, leave me alone, Jesus, son of the most high God. Swear in God's name that you won't torture me. For Jesus had already said to him, come out of that man, you demon spirit. Jesus said to him, what is your name? In this translation, it says mob. But in other translations, you probably have legion, right? Same thing. Um, he says mob or legion. He answers, they call me mob because there are thousands of us in his body. Who's answering? Not the guy. He said, there's thousands of us in him. The guy has no identity. He's lost in the world. The enemy's running with him, doing what he wants with him, having his way with him. But he encounters Jesus. Nearby, there was a large herd of pigs feeding on a hillside. The demons begged him, send us into the pigs, let us enter, enter them. So Jesus gave them permission and the demon horde immediately came out of the man and went into the pigs. This caused the herd to rush madly down the steep slope and fall into the lake, drowning about 2,000 pigs. That's a big deal back then. It's about $250,000 today. That's how many pigs they lost. That's big for them because these pigs were across the sea. So you had Jews on one side. He's in Gentile area. Jesus, the Messiah, takes his disciples over to the Gentiles, crosses the lake, they're the only ones that want to deal with the swines because that's not good for Jews. Jews want nothing to do with pigs. But the Jews thought they were the holy ones, but Jesus came to talk to the other people. Jesus says, I'm going across the lake. $250,000 today. At this, the herdsmen ran to nearby villages telling everyone along the way what had happened. And the people came out to see for themselves. When they found Jesus, they saw the demonized man sitting there properly clothed and in his right mind. Hang on. This is somebody that chains couldn't hold him. He was cutting himself. He was doing, and, and Jesus shows up on the scene. And all of a sudden, this guy is properly clothed in his right mind because of an encounter. Because of an encounter, he walked in face to face, eye to eye with Jesus, and everything changed. This is why encounters are so important. This is why we got to seek that with all of our heart because the more you get in front of him, the more things shift inside of you, the more you change, right? This is, this is what this is. Oh. Where was I? 
16, there we go. And the people became afraid, right? Then those who had witnessed this miracle reported the news to the people and included what had happened to the pigs. Then they asked Jesus to leave their region. There's nothing in the Bible after that that says Jesus went back to that region. Those people idolized those pigs because that was their finances, that was their income, more than they wanted Jesus. And because of that, the Bible doesn't say Jesus went back there. Come on. This is not easy stuff, but this is Jesus saying, I'm here. I just healed the guy that was torturing you all that you were scared of by an encounter with me. And they said, leave. Well, you've read the scripture. (laughs) He's like, I'm going back in the boat. See you. They didn't want him. So Jesus began to get into the boat to depart. And the man who had been there, who had been set free from demons asked him, could I go with you? And Jesus answered, no. But he said to him, go back to your home and to your family and tell them what the Lord has done for you. Tell them how he had mercy on you. So the man left and went into the region of the Jordan and parts of Syria, or in your, it could be called the uh, Decapolis, I think is what it says. 10 cities is what that means. So he went into the area of 10 cities, this one guy, um, to tell everyone about who he met or that he met in parts of Syria to tell everyone he met about what Jesus had done for him and all the people marveled. All the people marveled from an encounter, right? So he had an encounter and all the people marveled because of what had happened to him. And he went off. He was actually like one of the first big missionary evangelists. Jesus sent him into that whole area. Why? Well, they knew him. So Jesus didn't need to be, you don't want me? That's fine. Guess who I'm going to leave? The guy I set free. The guy that's never been to synagogue, the guy that's never been in and had to study the Torah, the guy that doesn't know the law, the guy that doesn't know any of that stuff. But I set him free. He had an encounter with me and he's going to change the world. That's what he said. And the guy did. Hmm. Come on. That's powerful. Can you, can you believe that's how it works? Like you don't have to be special. You have to have an encounter and then God will use you to change the world. And I'm not taking away from any of the studies you want to do and all that stuff. Do, do what you want. That's good. What I'm saying is that you are, do not disqualify yourself. Because if you've had an encounter with him and he's changing your heart, go change the world. And it's that simple. What do you need to know? Jesus did this. That's what you need to know. Jesus did this. I'm different. Just look at me. Jesus did this. Now, because of that, what's going to happen is you'll start going, hey, I need to know more about this guy. <laughs> like, like, there's a book on this? Like, I'll start reading it. Right? They didn't have books back then. See, everybody wants the Acts 2 church. Right? Everybody goes, let's do the Acts church. Let's have that. Great. Let's do that. Get rid of the Bible. All they had was the Torah and the Holy Spirit. That was Acts 2. They didn't have a Bible to follow. They got filled with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit came and taught them. Right? Taught them everything they needed to know, and they went out and changed the world. That's why people don't say that all the time. You want an Acts 2 church? Really? Okay. I kind of want the Bible. I like the Bible. The Bible teaches us and is there for wisdom and knowledge. It's the word of God. But he's the word of God. Jesus is the word of God. Don't forget that. Jesus is the word of God. 
I don't know where that came from. But I'm just saying, this is important. Like, like you don't need a whole bunch of, you know, like I, this was the biggest thing they told me when I came to the church. I fought it when I was asked to come to the church because I said, I'm not qualified. And my pastor at that point, Rick, he just looked at me and said, brother, God don't call the qualified. He, call, he qualifies the called. It starts with a call. There's an encounter. I had the encounter. I knew what was inside of me. I knew what I knew about Jesus. I looked him in the eyes. I knew who he was. I knew how much he loved me. I knew how much he wanted, wanted to continue to care for me. And I just understood that. And then guess what? He made a way. And then along the way, yeah, I got busy. <laughs> I got busy. I've, I've got, you know, I've, I've understood that I need to read the Bible. That's really good. But I also need to listen to the Holy Spirit and let him guide me and teach me in all things. Um, but yeah, this is good, man. Uh, I, I, when I started looking at that and really digging into it, and I'm thinking, man, Jesus went and bypassed everybody else and went across the lake to a place that were, there were no Jewish people and heals a guy through an encounter and then sets him apart to go change the world. Done. <laughs> I mean, it's, why do we complicate things? Why do we complicate things? Why? Because we're fixed in religion. That's why we complicate things. We say, well, you could, but I don't think you're smart enough or you hadn't done this or you haven't done this. And I'm not taking away from that, guys. Trust me, I'm not taking away from it. I think it's important that we have discipline. I think it's important that we read our Bibles. I think it's important we pray and we fast and we do all those things. But if that's the first thing that comes out of your mouth besides get to know him, it's all about relationship, not about the other stuff. Get to know him first. Have an encounter with him. Understand how loved you are with him. That's why we're starting there. Understand how much he loves you. Everything else becomes really easy. Like you don't want to put the stuff down. You don't want to stop reading the Bible. You don't want to stop praying. You, you want to do things and you're not forcing yourself to do it so you can check it off the list. Does that make sense? Man, I'm not trying to, to make this complicated. I'm trying to simplify it. Seek his face first. And when you see his face and you encounter him, let that love fill you up and drive something inside of you that changes it to where all you want to do is be around him. All you want is to be around him. And all you want to do is read his word. And all you want to do is learn more about him. But we tend to do it the other way. We tend to do it the other way. There's a cheering section over here this morning. Hey, that's the last time we do coffee giveaways at the annual event. Calm down, brother. He must have took all the free coffees. <laughs> he started drinking last night. Come on. Oh, man. But here's the cool part is that when you get around him more, when you, when you lock eyes with him, it transforms who you are. You start to understand how loved you are. You start to understand that he's going to drag you no matter what. You start to understand he loves you that much. You understand you're a son or daughter. You walk with authority. You can walk into places and things have to change, right? And, and the problem is the church hasn't been teaching it this way. So what happens is people are out going, I don't know, like, you got a problem? Come see my pastor. Stop. The pastor doesn't need to go pray for everybody, right? The pastor doesn't need to go cast out demons. Know the authority that's inside of you. Go pray for somebody. Go talk to somebody. Go counsel somebody. Go, go, go cast out demons. It's inside of you. It's built inside of you. You have the authority to do it. 
This is an equipping center. This is where we come so we can iron, sharpen, iron, and get you prepared, get you filled up enough to say, I understand what's outside these walls. It's not about what's inside the walls. It's what's outside the walls. Everybody's outside the wall. Like, oh, I'm, I'm getting excited. My mic keeps messing up. Everybody else is outside the wall. So we're not going to come in here and sing kubaya and love on each other and not go change the world. That's wrong. Because you, you've at least taken the step in, right? So you're here. That's huge. You're here, which means you're getting something. There's people out there that don't even know that this exists. They don't understand what an encounter is. They don't understand who he is. And the only way they're going to find that is through you. When they see you, they're going to go, oh, you're different. Now, they probably say, you're weird. Weird's good. It's not bad. I don't want to look like the world. Does that make sense? If we look like the world, like, well, then what's the kingdom supposed to look like? Because the kingdom doesn't look like the world. They're two separate things. But if our churches look like the world, now we got an issue. Keep preaching, DJ. Just <laughs> You guys are amazing. Um... God, God be praised. Um, and understand when I'm talking about religion, it just came out of the Jewish culture. That they were the chosen ones. They said, hey, we were taught to read the Torah, memorize the Torah, understand that we got to earn our way. 613 laws, you know, that, that we've got to do these things and earn our way to him. That's what it was. That's all it was. And, and that's what they were taught. That's all they knew. Right? So they were just operating in what they knew. Okay? So this is what made it so hard. But what we've done is we've taken that culture and we've infected it throughout the whole world now. When that's not how it's supposed to be now. Jesus said, I came. And he gave us what? Two commandments. What, what were his two laws? Love God and love who? Your neighbor. All right? So if we're supposed to love God and love our neighbor... One, that's my kind of God because he simplified it. Like, I'm like, oh, two things? I can remember that. I think Kevin's got a rule. Once you get past three, you don't remember anything. <laughs> he says, you can tell me like what? Two things, three things at once. After that, I'm done. Like, good luck. So two things are good. But the cool part about those two things is that they encompass so much. Like if you actually abide by those two things and walk in obedience with those two things, it covers all the other stuff. It's like really cool. Now there are some things it doesn't cover like all the holidays and all the stuff you're, you're supposed to do. And, but they had a lot of things. Go back and read some of those laws. I mean, couldn't cut your hair, couldn't do all these things. I mean, there's so much stuff that they thought was holy that made you holy. And Jesus said, well, I am holy and you are holy. So I guess you're holy. And don't worry about that stuff. You don't need that stuff. You just don't need it. So really what it is, it's Jesus plus nothing. And if you hear a gospel that says Jesus plus anything else, it's wrong. All you need is Jesus. You don't need Jesus plus. So I need Jesus plus um, fasting. Nope. Jesus plus uh, um, celebrating uh, some holiday. Nope. Jesus plus... Read your Bible. Nope. Uh-oh. 
I'm just telling you what the true equation is. It's Jesus plus nothing, and when you add anything to it, that's not the gospel. But you can add things to it, and it's really good. But you don't have to. Does that make sense? All right. I'm not trying to confuse you. I'm just trying to be real. Like, like it's Jesus plus nothing. Oh. All right. So the old system was self-effort. That's what the old system was. You have to do it. You have to perform. That was the old system. You have to do these things if you want to be in his presence. In fact, not everybody could be in his presence. They had it so strict that they were like, you can't even see him. And I think Moses had it actually right. He started glowing. I told you we're glowing. Like when we get in front of him, we're going to glow. Like when he's inside of us, we glow. Moses did it right, but then he covered his face. He covered his face. He didn't allow the glow inside of him to affect people. He covered his face. He did it wrong. So he had a veil over his face. But we know what veil was torn, right, on the cross. The whole veil was torn. So... He was a little upset over the glowing. He didn't know what to do because he said, this is weird. When you glow, I want you to go shine. (laughs) I want you to go shine in the community. I want you to go let people look at you and go, there's just, you're glowing. You're glowing. You're glowing. Ah. So you don't receive righteousness, the righteousness of God through any other effort or anything. You simply, it's free. You receive it. Isn't that cool? I'm telling you, it's through believing, it's through faith. I'll go to Galatians 2.16 first. We're not going to stay there long. I'm just going to read this. Because I want to talk about you being right with God, the righteousness of God. And we'll read out of the NLT on this one. It says, yet we know that a person is made right with God by faith in Jesus Christ, not by obeying the law. So you mean that I'm made right with God just by having faith in him? Yep. Yep. Quit striving. Quit striving. If you're not striving, but you're enjoying it, keep doing it. Just understand that you're already there. And the guy next to you is already there. If they have faith and don't judge them because they don't read the Bible as much as you. Don't judge them because they don't pray as much as you. Don't judge them because they don't come to church like you come to church. I know a lot of people that don't come to church that are pretty phenomenal people. I think they're missing out. I think they're missing out on family. They're missing out on on coming together because maybe God wants them in the church so they can help other people. Does that make sense? Right? So, but we don't judge people because they don't come to church, any of those things. So not by obeying the law. And And we have believed in Christ Jesus so that we might be made right with God because of our faith in Christ, not because we have obeyed the law. For no one will ever be made right with God by obeying the law. No one will ever be made right with God by obeying the law. It doesn't mean that by obeying the law, you're wrong. It just means that you can't be made right with him just by obeying the law. Right? That's the caveat. Hey, if you, if, if you believe in him and have faith and you want to follow all 613 laws... There's going to be some people probably complaining because you're going to be sacrificing some stuff and doing some stuff that probably don't look normal. You probably get the cops called on you. Um, Man. All right. I got time, Jim Paul. We're running into Galatians a little bit more. Let's go into Galatians 3. I know Jim Paul loves Galatians. Like that's not one of your favorite books. I know they're all your favorite, but I know you got something that you love reading the most. (laughs) 
Good answer. He's doing a Bible study at his house. They're all his favorite books. <laughs> so good. Galatians 3. They're, 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 I'm going to tell you what. Can I just read all of three? I'm going to read all of three. So just hang in there because I'm from the north. I can read fast. I don't mean you can't read in the south. I read fast. <laughs> I, I've been in the south a long time, so I'm southern. I'm just letting you know. <laughs> I should probably go back to my sword issue I had. In the, <laughs> that at least got people laughing for the right reason. <laughs> Oh, man. Galatians 3 says, uh, what has happened to you foolish Galatians? So let, let me, okay, let's start this. I always read that and I forget to tell you what we're talking about. So the Galatians, pretty much uh, Galatia, when Paul came in, he preached the gospel. It was a grace gospel. It was amazing. He shared it with them. Everybody was on board. They were like, bang, this is awesome, right? And these are Gentile people learning about this. They're like, this is amazing. And then some other people come in and go, well... We love what you're talking about. We believe in that, but y'all need to be circumcised. I heard a lot of guys just groan. <laughs> yeah, that's what they said too. But they, so what they tried to do is mix. They said, they said we do believe in, in Jesus, the Messiah, but you need to be circumcised. So they were trying to mix grace and law. And that's what was going on. They said, if you want to be as good as us, then you need to do all these things. It's not Jesus plus anything, it's Jesus, right? So this is where Paul had to write another letter and go, okay, let me, let me help you guys out a little bit. So he's coming against these people who were bringing these in and talking to them. So he says, what has happened to you foolish Galatians? Who has put you under an evil spell? Did, you, did God not open your eyes to see the meaning of Jesus's crucifixion? Was he not revealed to you as the crucified one? So answer me this, did the Holy Spirit come to you as a reward for keeping Jewish laws? No. You received him as a gift because you believed in the Messiah. I'll, you know, that's the first time you see it there that they were probably completely saturated. I, I, after reading that, that Paul experienced this, he said the Holy Spirit came down in Galatia and these people got filled. They got, they got wrecked. So, so he was having his way with these people until somebody came in and said, hold up, hold up, you're not following the law. Uh, we got to keep you in the boundaries. Don't, don't, don't watch out. We had to put guardrails up. You're, you're stepping outside the guardrails. That's what they're saying. He said, no, you received him as a gift because you believe in the Messiah. Your new life began when the Holy Spirit gave you a new birth. Why then would you so foolishly turn from living in the spirit by trying to finish by your own works? Have you endured so many trials and persecutions for nothing? Let me ask you again, what does the lavish supply of the Holy Spirit in your life and the miracles of God's tremendous power have to do with you keeping religious laws. The Holy Spirit is poured out upon us through the revelation and power of faith. Abraham, our father of faith, believed God and the substance of his faith released God's righteousness to him. So the true children of Abraham have the same faith as their father. And the scripture prophesied that on the basis of, God, of faith, God would declare Gentiles to be 